0: Hey, what's up Knicks fans, and welcome to a special trade deadline edition of the Across the Pond podcast. As always, Scott Call and I get into all things New York Knicks, including a recap of the recent games, our moments and our gripes of the week, and we feast on the trade deadline, looking at what the Knicks did and what our rivals did in the Eastern Conference. Before we get into the pod, I just want to thank everyone who's ever listened or supported it. We really appreciate you. I hope you enjoy the podcast. What's up, Nix fans? It's Martin from Nix UK, bringing you another episode and a special edition of the podcast. Now, we've just had the trade deadline. As always, I'm joined by my favourite
1: Scotsman. Scott, how are you? I'm fine, Martin. How are you?
2: And my favourite born Bournemouthite, if that's the right phrase. Cal, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Not, I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone call me a born methite <laughs> before. <laughs> I don't know if that'll stick. And, and probably never again. It never um, again.
0: <laughs> usually what we uh, we do with this, we do put some effort in and we try and plan the pod, but tonight it's going to be a free-for-all like the NBA's had with the Magic. And yeah, well, let's get into it. Um, we've played three games since the last
2: podcast. We've gone two and one. How have we done? Yeah, not too bad, I don't think. I mean, just about scraped past the Magic. I mean, we had the the two games against the Sixers, which are both relatively close. And then, obviously, we had a beatdown against the Wizards, which I think we all thought was probably the right sort of result to be thinking of at the time. I think we have been okay. Um, struggling without D-Rose still. Obviously, you had to use the makeshift point guard Burks filling in IQ for them. But I think, in general, it's been been okay.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Calm, I think two games we won. Magic there's only a point in it, but I thought we played quite well. And the Wizards was a blowout basically. Uh the Sixers, the first game was close, but they probably just staged it. But I thought the one the next one, I thought I it we were better with our three throws, <laughs> we'd have done it. I know there's a few controversial errors with eh, errors with the refs and stuff and eh, we don't I don't really want to go into the referees because I complained a bit of over the last few weeks but I just thought I've had to be a ten, we missed ten free throws. I mean, we we'll only get beat by a point, and they get a technical near the end. So no, I think if we had three throws that night, I think we could win that game because we deserved it. We played really well. I thought I thought RJ was superb in both games after this against Ben Simmons. So I think we've done really well the last three games.
0: Yeah, I I mean, going first of all to the Magic game, I think it would be remiss of us not to mention Randall's monster monster stat line. Uh, with 18 points, 10 rebounds and 17 assists. I thought he was unbelievable in that game. It was, in every sense, a must-win and I felt like he grabbed hold of it. And whilst he didn't shoot particularly well, he he took over that game and everything went through him and he sort of put New York on his back and dragged us to that win.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. It was one of those games where having an all-star really does come in handy. You know these can be trap games. I mean, it's weird saying that the Knicks have sort of trap games against teams like the Magic, whilst we're in sort of this position. But it, you know, he he, like he said, put the team on his back, and everything went through him. You know, like he said, he didn't shoot particularly well, but the playmaking, the passing, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. I thought he was going to break our assist record, but obviously wasn't wasn't meant to be. But I thought. Just touching on the Sixes game, the second one because the first one, Scott's right. I thought thought they were they they deserved to win that one. Although we fought hard and we kept it, you know, again a top team in the East. I know we keep saying it on here, but we're keeping it close with these teams right at the top. Um, the, the second one, I thought we we should have won. I thought, you know, it better better shooting from the free throw line. The refs weren't great, but I don't want to blame it on them again because I think that's that's an easy way out, but. You know, uh, it's just it is encouraging, but at the same time it is frustrating because these are games at the end of the season, if we end up missing being in the playoffs or the playoffs by like a game or two, is these ones you look back on and think well, if we'd have just won that game. But it's nice to see us still competing, and it's nice to see, to see that this is like a legit team. It's not just a, a fluke. It seems like it's it's a proper properly coached team, and we're doing doing well. Uh, and I don't know if we're really going to touch on the Wizards game that much, given the scoreline. But it, it was a pretty easy win. R. J. and Julius just went ham the whole game, and at one point I thought Julius was going to drop fifty, but I think you drop, end up dropping thirty-seven uh, on a on a deflated uh, Wizards team. But and we got them again tonight, I know. But yeah, should be should be a win there again, really. But all round, I think we've been, we've been all right. I think we're just going to keep sort of jumping between just below 500 and 500 and then maybe a win or two above, given our schedule.
1: But, yeah. I just like to say, as well, in the last three games, I like Bots have done really well. I mean, that the game, he's had 20 points. Each game over 20 points. So, I was one of his, I was at the start of the season, I was criticising on a bit for missing a lot of open shots and just he's very, very sad play, but over the last few games, he's improved. He's even come out of the garden, played a few games, so because Peyton's been missing, Rose's been missing, IQ was injured. So I have to say, my oh, optimism he's played really well, and hopefully it continues. Because when he plays really well, he actually looks like a very, very good basketball player. But other times, you've seen him and you see to yourself, why is he playing? So he's one of the guys who probably, if you see him for the first time, you say he's a really, really top player. And then other times, you watch him, you think he struggles to get in the starting five. so I understand that he's inconsistent, but obviously hope he continues this evening.
0: Yeah, he had he had something. He's got he's got that scoring ability. I think it was in the Sixers game where he blew that layup, and that was just a massive, massive moment in the game. Um I'm I'm, not, I'm never particularly keen when he's driving into the paint. His handle is all over the place, but he's got that 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 mentality of a scorer and the Knicks need that, particularly on that second unit. And he's filled in really well when he's had to play some point guard. which at the beginning of the year, when, you know, you see Frank lose minutes and, you know, you see uh, Dennis Smith Jr. who doesn't get minutes, both young point guards, who you think may have something. And then Burks comes in and he's handling the ball and you think, well, why not get a typical point guard in there? But he's, he's certainly filled in admirably. And, um, and you know, again, we we've got to mention Mitch. We got Mitch back, and we yeah. saw um, what a difference he makes. And, I mean, there was one one play in in the last game where RJ fired the ball at the hoop, and you know, you can imagine what would have happened if Noel was was the target, but instead, uh, Mitch was able to gather it and, and slam it home. It's it just again, it it adds that another facet to the offense because you've got a center who can you know, get the ball inside and, and score and isn't, you know, isn't sort of kept out of the offense and is simply there to finish at the rim. He, he's got a bit more about him. And um, yeah, it's been good to see him back and, and RJ Scott and Cal, you both touched on it. I think he's been sensational. I think he's developing right before our eyes. You know, you look at the points, you know, he's putting 19, 20 points up a game. It seems every, every, every game, but it's the other things he's getting rebounds, not empty stats rebounds. He's getting those difficult rebounds where he's fighting for the ball in big moments. He's getting assists and, and he's and he's getting at it defensively. That that was a great battle with Simmons. Really enjoyed watching that.
2: Yeah, I completely agree on RJ. I think you're right. He's developing into a little super superstar right before our very eyes, and and you love to see that. You know, he he had a tough. I know we've said it before and here a few times, but he had a tough first year and. There was a lot of pressure, and come into a situation like ours where it is a little bit rocky with the media and the fan base not watching a good team for a long time. That he's sort of brushed it all aside, and, and he looks like a seasoned vet out there sometimes. Some of the yeah. moves he pulls, like the patience he shows, and you touched on it there, Martin, that he's his passing in the playmaking is starting to just creep into his game a bit more now. I think the other night he had five or six assists, I think it was five and he was passing the ball and he was finding the open man a lot. And if the floor just seems to be open enough, the game has slowed right down for him. And, and he looks like he's going to be a cornerstone of the franchise for like a, a long, long time. And, and I, I love to see it. And he, he's one that obviously with, with Julius and, and IQ of Mitch, you want to try and build this squad around those, those guys and, and add complementary pieces and guys who can help us win more games.
1: I mean, the against the Wizards, he had two blocks as well, RJ, which was pleasing. I like to see that running back getting blocks in. Also for Mitch, you know, I just want to mention, we all love Mitch, but it's his second chance points, I like, Yeah. You know, he makes a shot, and he's he always there, he reads it well, he's always up, I know he's a big, tall chap at seven feet, but it doesn't always automatically mean you're going to grab the ball, but he reads it well, and he's strong, and you can see he's enjoying playing, so I just hope he can stand you free between now and the end of the campaign.
0: Yeah, there's a bit. There's a bit more to Mitch as a rebounder. He's not that. I mean, I know he's a big fella, but he's not a big intimidating center who's gonna who's gonna barge you out of the way. He's he's got in, intelligent and he just gets at it, gets after it. So he's he's just one of those guys where if you put it in or around the rim, he's gonna get it. And that's where some of the criticism for Alfred Payton comes in. I'm not digging him out, but there's a lot of times where you think he puts up you know, a bad shot or misses open men, but some some of the times all that he has to do is throw it up around the rim and Mitch is going to get it and Mitch is going to slam it home. And and it's just that when the Knicks do struggle offensively, and there's times when they do, particularly with the second unit, particularly when Randall's off the floor, they need to generate some offence and, you know, Rose has missed time and IQ's a rookie who at times is, is hitting the three consistently, but at times he's... You know he struggles, so Mitch adding that in and around the rim, second chance points, just adds that that little bit of something else that that we don't get with Noel, and Noel's played brilliantly. Noel's done a, a stellar job in in playing huge minutes, and 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 Taj Gibson as well. Let, let's not forget Taj. He's he's filled in as well. He's he's got after it. He's he's fought for rebounds. He's he's played well defensively, um, and. You know, we're starting to get these players back and hopefully with a with a healthy roster, we'll, we'll see less of the struggles offensively and um, we'll hopefully be able to string a few wins together and yeah. and get over the hump with one of these big teams because we've had it difficult a few times. You know, the refs haven't been great. The refs haven't been kind. I don't want to go over old ground, but that, that call in the Sixers game, you know, the Knicks were their own worst enemy with free throws, but that call was... A, wasn't egregious because it probably was a foul, but that was a that was a playoff atmosphere. That was a playoff game. It felt like that. It felt like both teams are playing hard. Both teams were playing physical, and I just don't think you can call that. But um, the Knicks need to get one of those, and hopefully, when when, they, when we've got a full roster and particularly Rose is back, we'll we'll get over the hump with one of those big teams.
2: Yeah, I just want to touch back on Mitch and Noel. I think I put out a tweet that I am absolutely love that Mitch is back and I've absolutely loved what, what Noel has done despite his bowling ball hands. Uh, you know, as a tandem at centre, I think it's one of the, the most underrated sort of partnerships in the league, having them both, because they're almost carbon copies. I know Mitch has probably got the superior offence, although he's not, you know, complete, complete on offense he's still got a lot of things he needs to add to his game uh, but I just think having both of those options is such a good thing to have in this team and I really do hope that I know we touched on it last week about Mitch and the uncertainty around the, the contract and how the front office look at him and I know that will touch on it that you know Ian Begley was reporting that they took calls on him today. They obviously didn't do anything to act on it, but they obviously wanted to gauge what the interest and what the value is there. I just hope that we can keep both of them around because I think they're both really strong assets to the team moving forward. And Mitch is only young as well, like we keep forgetting. He's, he's young, but he's been in the league. What was this his third season now? You know, he's he's still finding his feet and he's coming off this injury to his hand and, the the stat line he put up was really nice the other night. And he looks like he's ready and uh, to sort of be starting again, hopefully, uh, at some point in the next few games. So I just want to keep them around and, and watch them develop as as a pair because Noel's not old either. He's only 26, 27. He's not an old player either. So and he's on a reasonable contract. So it'd be nice if we can we can get that settled, but I do I do worry that they, they might. Not be able to reach an agreement with him in the off season. Well, we promised
0: a free for all. We better get onto some trades because it's been a busy day. Um, not so busy for Leon Rose and the Knicks front office. Um, the Knicks went into this uh, trade season with a bunch of cap space, load of cap space, firsts, seconds that they could have used. And a number of expiring contracts, a number of young players who haven't been as predominant in the um, in the you know in the starting five or even getting minutes. And it was anticipated by many that the Knicks would make a move.
2: They did make a move, but Cal, it wasn't what we expected. No. Um, I want to try and look at this positively. Um, obviously. I'll look at it from both sides because I'm sure we'll get into it. The move we did make, I've got no issue with that. That's a good move it, yeah. by my by my book. You know, we we've we've found Austin Rivers somewhere else to go. Whether he stays in OKC or gets bought out, you know, that's up to them. Being able to potentially get our second round pick back, I don't. I know we don't know if it's ours or not, or if it's Phillies that that it that it is. But to get a second round pick back for Iggy and Austin Rivers who weren't playing is another shrewd move and it's similar to what they did in the off-season uh, last autumn I was about to say summer but it wasn't last summer it was last <laughs> autumn um, and it's another shrewd move and it's just collecting more assets which is good, maybe they'll use that down the line on draft night or in the off-season or next trade season, they, they might use it, I don't know or whatever um, but to not add any help for Julius and RJ, I think it's been described by you, Martin, and, and Scott as well, and people on Twitter. See, it just feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity that, that we could have added someone like a Fournier or a Terence Ross, even an Oladipo for really cheap. I mean, Miami basically gave him away for nothing in the end. After the reports came out, they wanted, you know, the earth and and the moon for him. (laughs) They basically gave him away for absolutely nothing. And I get that that maybe, you know, that's just an agreement they had to send him to Miami because that's where he wanted to be. But to not at least take a punt on someone just to help, even if it was just a short term rental. I don't believe that we're going into the 2021 draft and picking four players. Like they could have sacrificed one of those picks, probably. I would have sacrificed, potentially, the Dallas pick for Lonzo. But again, I'm biased on that because I'm a huge fan of Lonzo. And I really have wanted him them at the Knicks. So it's, it's, you've got to look at it, try and look at it positively, that we've not made any terrible moves. We've not made any bad trades. We've not done anything terrible. This front office definitely is competent. It definitely knows how to make a, a shrewd move. It just would have been nice to see them add a little bit of offence just to show a bit of ambition this season, given the circumstance we're in being in and around the playoffs, especially given other teams in these, like the Bulls and the Celtics, they strengthened and they're probably going to pick up their form now. And when it comes down to it, if both those teams end up finishing a couple of wins ahead of us and we we end up dropping out of the playoffs or the play-ins, then you've got to ask the question, well... Would a Fournier have helped? Would a Terence Ross have helped? Would Alonzo have really pushed over the line? Maybe. We'll never know. So there's no point dwelling on it too much, to be honest. We've got loads of assets and we've got loads of cap space. I mean, the upcoming free agency class isn't great. The restricted free agency, there's some good players, but you've seen a lot of them go today, like Powell and uh, Trent Jr., Ones that I would have gone for, they're not going to sign now. They're just going to sign with the teams they've been traded to, most likely. Lonzo is the most likely one that we could go back in for. But I made the point before we came on, and I've made the point on Twitter, that if we want to go for Lonzo, we might even, we might end up having to give up an asset anyway via a sign and trade. So we could have pro- probably done it today, but I'm not going to hold it against this front office, and I'm not, I'm not angry about it. I'm, it just feels a little bit deflating after... You know, potentially missing out on some cheap rentals that could have helped this season. But there we are. That's, that's just what it is.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I agree with yourself, Callum and Martin as well earlier. I just feel where we are at the moment was probably ahead of the curve of where we thought we were going to be. But I'm kind of 50 50. I'm 50% happy we didn't any do anything silly, but I'm also 50% unhappy we didn't any do anything. I'd like to, I'd like to add you something just on the, like you see on the, uh, offence. I think we maybe need some shooters if case anyone gets injured or just more quality. I just feel we have missed out, especially when Miami's getting rid of a lot of players and there was players there, especially Alonzo was there. He could add this so much to the team because offense and defence wise. And we have got cap space, we have got picks, we have we're actually in a very good place at the moment. That way we've not been like that for a long time. So I don't know if a front office are looking to maybe exploit it or someone has and maybe they've got a plan that we don't know about. But like you said, Callum, there's fragencies not great. Restrictive agencies okay, but you're giving up stuff for that as well. So I don't know. I don't know where we're gonna go. But I like to see somebody come in. If Lonzo came in, he'd helped us at the moment, but we could also help us for next season and beyond because he's still young because I settled into the team, because I worked out with the players, especially Julius and our team, because I see where we're going next season. But it's done now, but it's still time to deflating, because I woke, woke up this morning thinking, i looking forward to today, see who we can maybe bring in, and we don't really do anything. Yeah, we get an extra pick, and we get the two lads that we only getting minutes, but apart from that, didn't seem to do nothing. I still, unlike you're used to, I still think Drummond might come in, I know you're not excited about that, but I still think if he gets bought out, we may take him on. I don't know, you probably maybe feel the same, but I think he would do good for us. No, you don't like him, but I think it would do well for us if he came in.
0: Yeah, I mean, going back to the, the lack of moves, um, I think the only person who's probably happy about this is... Um, is Carl's bank balance because he's no doubt would have, would have <laughs> bought Alonso Jersey in the statement, the road and home. But no, in, in all seriousness, I think yeah, the, the front office can't be criticized because they didn't do anything stupid, albeit you can't give them loads of credit because they didn't do something that was um, imaginative to acquire assets. And they also didn't go down the route of acquiring some help for this, this group who, as good as they've been, could have done with, um, you know, added shooting, they could have, they definitely could have used with an, uh, an upgrade at point guard. So, yeah, I think it's, it's probably even in terms of my view on it. And, and I think we've, we've all said similar. I just think you look at some of the deals, the value for Oladipo was ridiculous for Miami. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see Adam Silver step in and say, hang on a minute, what's going on here? because it's that lopsided. I mean, Houston have had an absolute nightmare with that Harden trade and the, the old Depot one after that. And, and then, you know, you look at Lonzo and Kelly make a great point. I think the Knicks are either going to be in a position where they have to overpay for him because it was clear that the Bulls were interested. It was clear that there were other teams interested in Lonzo or they're going to have to work it. So that there's a sign and trade and, the sign and trade is is a route that could help us get him, but you end up giving up an asset as you would today. This group could have helped could have used some help, and Lonzo would have been an ideal candidate given his 23 years of age, he's having his best season in the league, and he does a lot of the things that the Knicks need to improve on. And I just say, yeah, you're right, it's a missed opportunity the lack of imagination with the cap space available and getting involved in some of these deals, it seems as though the Knicks may have been using that or ready to use that in a potential Lowry deal, reading between the lines with the Knicks obviously taking on a a bigger salary and and who knows what type of asset. Looks as though they kicked the tyres on a Bledsoe deal and acquiring a first. Obviously, you know Bledsoe would be an upgrade, but the contract isn't something necessarily I would have been thrilled to have taken on. I think it's three years, um, including this one. And I, I mean, it, it's as I say, it's very hard to criticise. It's it, it, it's difficult to give them credit. We've added an asset. Hopefully, it's that Nick second, as opposed to the Philly second. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what was your ask both of you what was your favourite deal of the day and probably can guess what were you know who got the best value but what was your favourite deal of the day for one of these other teams that potentially the Knicks could have got involved in
2: that's a difficult question um, yeah, tricky I think I think that the Bulls got really good value on Vucevic to be honest I think that's that's a really good move for them and again and I think, I think I think the magic did pretty well getting value on, on Aaron Gordon too. I don't know if that's such a great trade for, for Denver, although it's a nice fit, it did, did give up a fair amount. Um, I found that the trade for Powell um, and GTj. It was a bit of a strange one, but a, a solid move. Mm. I don't know if I've got a favorite to be honest. I was, I, I think there was a lot of decent value moves. I think the best. I think the best one is Miami getting Depot for that for for yeah. for, for nothing. They they got him for absolutely nothing. Yeah. And given it is difficult, and I'm going to throw some caveats out there because I always do. <laughs> <laughs> Do we really need a short-term rental that potentially we might have to pay in the summer or we might not have to pay in the summer? Who knows? Would it have been nice? Yes. Am I really angry about it? No. Would I have absolutely loved Lonzo? Absolutely. Is it something that absolutely needed to happen today? No. There's so many ways you can look at it. Ultimately, I just feel indifferent, (laughs) to be honest. We're not really in a better or worse position. We've got an extra second round pick, which we're probably going to include for a deal. My theory for this is that we're definitely not picking four players in the 2021 draft. There's, there's no, no way. way we're picking four no players. They're either going to package it together to move up or they're doing a draft night trade for Zach Levine or Bradley Beal. That, that's my, my theory. Um, I think by that point that could be where where we're at with it you know would would it have be been nice to see us weaponize the cap space more yeah would I have taken Bledsoe on a first probably um, it's no point getting too heated about stuff that did or didn't happen you know we've come out of it with a second round pick that's probably going to get moved and two players that are probably not going to play for us and if they do fine yeah um, I can't claim to know too much about uh, the Frenchman that's joined us, who's good friends with Frank. I do know a little bit more about Terence Ferguson. He's not going to sort of, you know, become a star. I mean, who who knows? Maybe I, I doubt it, but it would have just been nice. And I actually think I I'm more concerned about getting Drummond. I know Scott's a fan, and and that's fine. <laughs> I just worry about uh, the potential signing. Of andre drummond i just don't really see why we'd do it but do we need help at the four slash five you know be able to take julius out a little bit maybe does that warrant getting him in the buyout market and giving him a multi-year contract I, i really don't think so i think we should stay as far away as possible I'm really surprised J.J. Reddick got traded to Dallas. I actually, I'm shocked that the Pelicans did him like that. But he would have been one that I would have. Let's, liked. let's have a Let's have a
0: Wolf of Wall Street moment, Scott. Sell me this pen. Sell me this big center, Andre Drummond. Tell me why they make you should get involved and in, with use some of this cap cap space to acquire him.
1: Oh, sweet man, I just think your offers a lot to your team. I've watched him with Cleveland a few times, don't get my normal, I've watched him a lot, i watched him with Detroit as well, and I just think, he's good in the offence, he's decent in the defence, but it, his numbers have been good in the last few while, uh, scoring wise and stuff. I just like the way he plays, I just like him. It's just a bit, probably a bit like Callum milanzo I just like him, uh, I might not be, I don't, it might not be everybody's biggest fan out there, Andre Drummond, but I just think like him, I think he could offer us some we've not got. I could be wrong. I might come and fall flat on his backside, and I might come and light up Madison Square Garden. Who knows? I might not come at all. I just feel it offers us more positives than it does negatives, but that's just coming for me.
0: I mean, you, when you get a buyout candidate and you pay them a limited amount of money, and there's no obligation the following year to go ahead and sign them to a, a contract, then in that sense, I agree there's a there's a bit of value. Um, Andre Drummond has been an all-star, in inverted okay. commas, I believe, and he always leads the league in rebounds. He he played really well against the Knicks at MSG, I think. I think it was the game at MSG. Um, and he does offer something. He's big, he's imposing, Um the one thing I completely dislike is point Drummond. I mean, when he tries to bring the ball up the court, my goodness me. You know, the gif of the, um, the I don't know if it's you in know a, in a, an all-star game, there's a big fella and he's doing the cross. So he just reminds me of that. And I mean, you know, being serious, he, he's not the worst player in the league. I just think we've got Randall who plays the floor. Yes, he spaces the floor. Um, and then you've got Mitch and you've got Noel, neither of whom can, can hit a shot um, three, you know, three feet away from the hoop. So I just question the fit. I question whether or not there, there would ever be a long term commitment with him. And I don't know. You know, a lot of people have used the justification for not making any deals today, not making a trade, not looking to upgrade due to not wanting to upset the culture. And I just think is a guy who's been bought out, who's had probably his you know, his worst season. You know, he's probably he's probably better than the rookie year, but one of his worst years. He looks disinterested. Whether yeah. or not he's the guy, mm-hmm. and whether or not that's the type of player who who upsets the culture. So for me, I I wouldn't go there personally. But you know it's far better than trading any form of asset for him.
1: Honestly, so you think that was only my concern. It's a baggage you can bring, because I know he's reading between the lines in some reports with other fans and news outlets. He might not be the best influence in the dressing room. And I think at the moment, I've got a good atmosphere in the locker room with the players and with the coaches, so that would be my only worry. It can maybe go in there and cause a bit of problems, because the morale seems to be really high, and I don't want it going down anyway, so I don't want any, any big ballers going into the locker room and thinking they're better than everybody else, you know what I mean? But I think if he came and put under tabs, I think you maybe see a different side of him, but it's, let's see, it's guessing games, You don't really know until it happens if it happens, we don't really know what would happen
2: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Martin More, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan, I mean, it, again it's another one, if he joined you know you get behind the team you get behind the players and you hope that Tibbs can can coach him into a player that's going to be of value for us but it just doesn't make sense to me. I just don't see where where he fits. He's going to take minutes away from, from other players potentially. You know, we don't really want to see Mitch losing out on minutes as he's coming back. We don't I don't really want to see Noel losing out on, on minutes to, to someone like Drummond either. Um yeah, I, I would stay far away. As for the rest of the buyout market, I don't think there's anyone realistically apart from Lamarcus Oldridge, but it seems like Miami are in their first to get him. He'd probably be the only one I'd take a punt on. Um, it would have been JJ Reddick, like we said. He's gone to Dallas, um, which is an ideal. Um, just stick with what we've got for now and we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out I do my concerns are that you know if we've already lost Reggie Bullock tonight he's sprained his ankle I think or he's done something to his leg and if that's a longer injury and someone like Burks goes down God forbid someone else goes down if a Julius or an RJ where's the help you know I don't want to be negative, but I could see it derailing very quickly or I could see it going like it has been and will be in the play-ins in the playoffs. He's just going to have to wait and see what happens. I just think it would have been a smart move just to bring in someone with with a second-round pick, like a Fournier, just for this season or, or a depot, you know, just to help out. But that they haven't, I'm not angry about it. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, what, what, what they do moving forwards but it is a tough schedule as well You know, it was, even if we did bring help in it's, it's a tough schedule so you know, it's going to be a very very tough run and especially that month month of May the West Coast run we've got is, is tricky and I think that will probably make or break whether we get into the play-ins or, or the playoffs or we have a, another lottery pick but like I said loads of cap space Loads of loads of picks, so they they've got the freedom to do what they want. Um, you know, it's not like they're going to be stuck for ideas long term. I just wonder. People seem to have it in their minds that this is going to be a very long term rebuild, whereas I don't know if that's what Leon Rose has in mind. I wonder if this is a I've got a five year plan. Let's see if we can, you know, become a top team in the next five years. But we'll have to wait yeah. and see.
1: Well, As for your pick, Martin, on the trade deadline, I go with Fournier. I think that was a good move for the Celtics, basically, with
0: yeah,
1: what, what, what it took to get him. I think he's like, he's a decent shooter. He'll get them points, and things he'll add to their team. So I think that was like a smart move for him. Yeah, and I think you
0: know the benefit of the Celtics getting Fournier was obviously the exception, which he seems to have been acquired into that, and you know picks gone the opposite way, and. You know, someone, a couple of uh, of people on Twitter have sold it as well. The reason for the Magic making that move with the Celtics was because of that. Well, I would never have given up the, I would never have given up the um, the Dallas for for Fournier, oh, okay. but there was a possibility right, I right. would say where the Knicks could have acquired him and given up um, into cap, into the cap space, and they could have given up um, the Detroit second and even the Philly or whichever pick came back in the Philly trade and it would have they would have been better seconds I think than what was on offer from um, the Celtics and I think he could have really helped the Knicks um, I'm not a huge fan of him I wouldn't have been you know I wouldn't have been you know clambering to give him the, you know the bag in the off season but I think if, to sort of put them in not contention for the championship, but to, to put them in contention for getting in the top six, I think it would have been a perfect fit. He can have the ball in his hands, he can shoot it a bit. And he just offers something a little bit different. And whilst he's probably you know similar to Burks, is that type of player who can score, can play, make, and just do a little bit for your team, you know, they, they have a value and there's a reason why. Every trade deadline, you know, people have been linked with with signing him. I think I thought that was a good deal. I think the depot one was just an absolute robbery, and mm. I, I can't, I genuinely can't see what the Houston front office is thinking by that. Um, but you know, they've gone into a rebuild. The Magic have gone into a rebuild. It's it it's that sort of transition, isn't it? You know. The, the argument of well do you go into a semi rebuild and look to use to you know some assets to go here and yeah. sort of or do you blow it fully up and i think the, the best way to do it is to blow it up and once you blow it up you're in a position where you've got young players you've got assets and there's an opportunity there to do it the right way so credit to the magic and for pulling the trigger and doing it because it's never easy particularly when you've got fans who have supported players for such a long time. I know Garain, who's, you know, a friend of the pod, who um, was disappointed with the deal for Vucic, disappointed to see Aaron Gordon go, disappointed to see Fournier go. But, you know, I actually credit the, the Magic organisation for doing it because it's very difficult and they've acquired yeah. some good young talent. So it, I actually think the Magic, given the difficult situation, did extremely well so the heat the hawks the celtics and the bulls all made moves today are there any teams in particular that you've you know more fearful of or is there anything that you're you know as a knicks fan you're happy that they did that that sort of impacted the knicks but also um, them in the future, and also this year as well? What, what do we
2: think about the other teams' moves? I think the Bulls are probably the ones to keep an eye on, just because is, I think, is a really good move for them. It adds instant offence and fills a position that they needed to upgrade. And I'm just looking at the standings now. You've got Bulls currently in 10th, Pacers 9th, Celtics 8th. Hawks seventh, Knicks in sixth, uh, the Heat in fifth. All relatively similar records. I mean, the Heat, the Knicks and the Hawks are all 22 and 22. (laughs) And then the Celtics are a couple of games back and the Bulls are a couple more games back. But these sort of trades for impact players that can come in and help right away might be the difference between them winning games and dropping games. So the Bulls are obviously the furthest back, but I think they might make up the most ground through the rest of the season, potentially. I mean, they didn't add a guard, which I know they were interested in Lonzo, uh, but they didn't obviously manage to get him. So they would probably be the ones I'd be most worried about. The Heat as well, probably pull away a little bit, especially if they get LaMarcus Aldridge in as well and then get Depot fit and healthy. I think they're actually probably going to, They'll probably overtake take Charlotte and and make a statement for the breaking the top three potentially if all goes well.
1: I kinda agree, Carl. I think all the teams run about has made good move today, especially offense wise, offensive wise. Eh, as we said earlier about ourselves, if you've got any injuries to Burks or Reggie, which is injured at the moment, we're kinda of relying on Argy and eh, Julius again. So we might struggle that way. But the Bills are brought in. Vucevic, Celtic brought in and mainly Williams went to the Hawks, so they've all brought in guys who can add points to their scoring, so we didn't add anybody, which is my only concern, so I feel like we need to go on a very good run, injury-free run, and we have to keep winning games to keep the confidence up, because if we get any injuries and we have a couple of bad games, we can start to go downwards, we don't want that.
0: Yeah, well, we've got some quotes from Tibbs breaking news by Mark Berman and Tibbs has praised the front office for being very disciplined in passing on opportunities and following a plan. So, I mean, it's pretty clear that they've gone into this, this trade deadline with their eyes wide open
1: yeah,
0: and a definitive plan in terms of what, what they wanted to achieve. Um. And I think that that's probably testament to Tibbs. He's, he doesn't strike you as the reserved, and and whilst he's incredibly uh, disciplined in terms of his players, he's always been that kind of coach slash GM when he's dipped his foot in that uh, in that role as pushing his, his teams to to make moves. And just just about the other teams, I think yeah, the, the balls I, I have different views with them because. Not only did the Bulls add an all-star, the all-star is uh, obviously going to give them instant offense, but he's 30 years of age. And you know, is the center position the position where you want to be paying you know, a star player? And Vooch is a very good player. I certainly have nothing against Vooch. He's, he, he killed the Knicks when we played them on the road against the Magic. He's, you know he can score. He can he can play make a bit defensively. He's he, he's not the best, but I just think it potentially limits the ball season. Given I think it was two firsts they gave up, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two firsts. Yeah. And so you've got a a team where you've got Levine, who's a you know a volume scorer. You've got um, now Vooch who's, you know, who puts up points from, you know, it's an offensive centre, so to speak, not known for defence. And then you look at the rest of the team and they don't have a traditional point guard who's, who's going to steer a team and steer a team towards the top of the Eastern Conference to a point where you're confident that, you know, if, you know, if Levine or Vuc has a, has a poor night shooting, you question what you know where the offense is coming from, and um, why it hasn't really had it unless he's played the Knicks and went off. It was, I think it was a fourth quarter where he dropped some like five or six threes. Um, you know, marking, and then he's not he's not someone really who's set the legal light. So I think whilst the Bulls will be better in the immediate future, in the long term, I think they might have capped themselves out in terms of how how far they can go and what they can trade. You know the hawks adding Lou Williams another scorer you know they probably could have done with a guard like um I don't know Rondo <laughs> who can play some defense um and you know the Celtics while well adding Fournier is he is Fournier going to propel them he's a nice complementary piece he's very similar in you know to, to you know to Tatum and Brown in the sense of he's a wing he likes the ball in his hands, can play, make a little and can shoot. I mean, every team needs them and it's great to have as many as possible, but I kind of think the Celtics needed a, a centre or, you know, a big man who could really dominate. Um, so, you know, the moves around last well, think a lot of them are immediately better. I didn't even touch on the heat. I think they're a better roster anyway. And I think when it clicks for them, they'll move forward and probably pull away from the, our little group. Um, but nothing really stands out to me as the Knicks sort of falling behind or, you know, I just I just feel as though the Knicks standing pat was, was good in one sense because we preserved the opportunities which will come about because a star will ask for a trade. Um, and whilst, yeah, it, it is deflating, I don't think we've lost too much ground in the franchises. We were all in a similar position.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I think, like we said at the beginning of the pod, you've got to look at it with a positive outlook and the glass half full mentality, really. We've not done anything silly. We've, although we've missed potentially a couple of opportunities to weaponize the cap space and potentially add some help for RJ and Julius at the end of the day, the move the other moves made aren't, you know, they're not star players. Vuch is an all star, adds instant offers. But you said so the long term of that move, you know, is a bit up in the air given his age um, and what they've given up for him, despite I think it being decent value uh, for the player. I just, it, it would have been, I think the ideal for me would have been getting involved in the Lowry deal, should it would it have materialized you know yeah. taking on like a Dennis Schroeder or a KCP or someone like that and then maybe getting an asset back that maybe would have been what I was hoping for I mean obviously I was hoping for Lonzo it would have been amazing but realistically it was never really going to happen today more of an off-season move but just think we could have potentially used it but from what I'm seeing on Twitter at the moment, it looks like they might be more active in the buyout market. From what I'm seeing from Berman and, and co, it looks like buyout market might be what they are, are looking at potentially. The buyout market is essentially Drummond and Otto Porter Jr. That's the
1: two names i see. Otto Porter Jr. has made a fortune for doing not a lot. <laughs> 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 uh, Martin, you just mentioned the Tibbs' comments, which I find interesting because if you remember back to our first ever pod, we were all hoping for an improved season, but looking more forward to next season. Unless the front office has thought the way we have, and maybe this season they've surprised themselves with how well we've done, and they will always be planning for next season. So if you look at it that way, I'm actually feeling, I'm not saying happy, but I'm feeling happier because I'm thinking to myself, well, Maybe I've got a plan for next season. Maybe we are going to get a superstar of some kind coming in. Maybe this is a big plan. Maybe this season I didn't think we're going to be sitting 22, 22 at the moment. Maybe I thought we were going to be as good as that, obviously. Mm. We're punching above our weight or whatever. Yeah. But I it's think just these the these comments have actually made me feel quite confident for next season just coming out of that. Because, like you said about Tabs, he's not a guy to sit and hold back. He's always a guy that wants to 1 1 1, and that's always been him through his. Curry, even even when he was it, I think you mentioned that on Twitter. Cal was it? Was it a Timberwolves who was that? Where they made an at because he was a main man doing the trades. So I think having him saying that is quite refreshing. So I'm looking forward to what happens through the off season now, even though the season is not finished. Just after hearing the comments.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it's well, a weird one, isn't it? Because I I agree with you saying, Scott. That and I, I mean, none of us saw this season coming so really looking back at it you know we're not complaining at all or not not trying not to be too too negative obviously there's been a few bumps along the way as, as there is with every team but I do genuinely think that the plan for this season was to just try and instill a culture around the place and that's the main aim and they've done that already and I, and I think the plan was never really to make any big moves or sacrifice any big assets I think that's potentially where they're looking to this off-season and with the draft I think that's where we might see them be a bit more active in trades or in moving up in the draft or in throwing some more money around I mean I read Berman said we've got about £60 available Kawaiian for the couples. I mean we, we've we not really talked about it because you know we're used to being called out for star chasing but if someone like Kawhi declines his option and he's there does he look at this Knicks team and say, well, with Julius with RJ a budding all-star, the, the amount of picks and assets they've got to potentially bring someone in around me, you know, I could see it. It could be a possibility. I, I don't think it will happen, but you know, it's not out, it's no longer out of the realms of possibility for this group. So, and I, I think the 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 office the front office is very, you know, they're all on the same page, it seems. And, and Tibbs is obviously in a coaching role now. I know at the, the Wolves, he was doing a bit of everything, wasn't he? And he made a bit of a hash of it. So I think he's solely just sticking to his coaching and letting Leon Rose and Worldwide Wears and Brock Aller and, and everyone do their, do their thing and, and let it sort of fall in their hands and, and make the calls as long as, as long as they're the right ones. Yeah, there's a benefit to having the, um, you know, the guy in the
0: shadows of the NBA in your front office because... He can read the tea leaves. He can see what other players, whilst he's probably not meant to, he, he's having these conversations around the league. He has these relationships with players and, you know, taking, you know, a different approach with the Knicks really quiet today because they're confident in the offseason that they can, you know, entice a Kawhi Leonard and then trade for, you know, a Devin Booker, a Donovan Mitchell, somebody of that ilk, that to join him, you know, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility, and that's not star chasing. That's because the Knicks have put a product on the court that's completely different than what it has been. It's been competitive. It's been fun to watch, and you know, I think the league is is taking notice, and rightly so. I think Tips has instilled this in this group, and you know, if they had made a move and rocked the ball, you know, could it have impacted their chances in the off season? You know, that that's an extreme, but that, that might well be the view. So, yeah, this group has been has been molded together. It's been well coached and it's playing beyond any expectations we all had. But, you know, make no mistake, the, the, there's bigger goals ahead. And whilst the Knicks didn't land anybody today, you referenced it before, Cal. I don't think Leon Rose is here for five years, you know, looking to create a, a, a star playing in RJ who's going to be the centerpiece. I think he's going to bring in one or two superstars from other franchises who who bring the Knicks properly back because we're back, you know. We've, yeah. We're flirting with the playoffs, we're flirting with the top four, but this this franchise needs a championship. We've suffered far too long. And the goal is to, to win a championship. It's not to, you know, it's not to be Charlotte or, you know, Boston has been where they, you know, they, they get in the playoffs every year, but don't make any noise. This is a team that wants to compete. So if it takes a quiet deadline to quietly acquire, you know, a second round pick and and to wait for the off season where we've got, you know, a gazillion dollars in cap space, then, then so be it. Um, it wouldn't be a trade deadline without us talking about the French prince I mean you're gonna have to drag him from MSG he's he stayed and you know I think we're all absolutely made up about that
2: yep he's he's survived his fourth trade deadline and uh, I'm happy because he's proved he's got value, and yeah, he has nights where he puts up zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, but, but he provides the defense, and he's our longest-serving player now, believe it or not. So he, he's providing, a, you know, probably a mentorship to some of these younger guys who've come in, telling them this is what it's like to play for the Knicks. This is what you should expect, and like I said, he offers some value on the court. We've had that report as well that Tibbs, see, I don't know why it's secretly, I don't know why it's privately, he likes so him, why he can't come out and say, I, you know, we want to re-sign him, but it's it sort of points towards them offering a, a new deal in the summer, which would be amazing. Uh, just to, to break the Charlie Ward curse with a player like Frank doing it, ah, uh, it'd be so good. But... It's amazing that he keeps surviving these deadlines. I mean, how many regimes he's, he's survived, how many head coaches he's survived, how many replacements he's survived. Like, you can't knock the guy. He just, he won't back down. He won't go away. And Frank Hive will live on forever. Even if he did go, it, it would live on forever.
1: Yeah, Frank, as, as you know, probably every... oh you see, we all love Frank and it's not because of what he does and what he doesn't do it's just I love Frank and you see he can go into a court and give no minutes no rebounds no assists not a lot but you just love him being there and I hope he stays for a long time because I think he has got value to the team and I, I think he can get better I really do and if tabs see something on them, then that says a lot for Frank, I have to say, because he was always one of the first ones that people would say as soon as tabs came in, he was away. And if he's still there, then good on him.
2: He's only 22 still as well. Like, we still forget how young he is. Like, 22 yeah. is not old and he's got all this experience and he's only going to improve. As You know, if we were talking about like a 29, 30-year-old Frank still doing what he's doing, then maybe he would move him or not really sign him, but he's still 22, so you know, it's, I'm so happy that he's, he's staying. And I, I, I really hope that we get to the playoffs because I think that is where he could show his value and it will be on the national stage and he will have one of these moments where he provides a, a moment in a playoff run or, or in a playoff game where he comes up clutch with a moment, whether it be a three or on defence. And I could just imagine the reaction now and it'd just be
1: glorious. He's the only game i have got. I can mark three players at once. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's
2: yeah, that was a crazy sequence where he was. I think he was he was marking four players at once, wasn't he? He was he was everywhere. Like, he was just absolutely everywhere. But that's what he brings. He's just, yeah. just a hustler, the French prince, is a hustler.
0: He
2: he's just plays
0: with that when he plays with that confidence. It, he's a completely different player. You saw it in one of the games where I think he ended up in double figures where. You know, he hit he hit one shot, and then you see him driving. He's he's getting to the hoop. He's you know he's throwing assists around it's, it. It it is that confidence, and I just want to sort of set the scene for any of the listeners where we're three grown men, each smiling at each other like little children talking about Frank. And you know, it it's it's the fact of, I think people buy into it because other coaches and other front offices haven't bought into who he actually is and he's been he's the Knicks have done him a disservice to an extent because he's never had a consistent run they drafted him as a point guard and didn't play him as a point guard they've constantly signed vets to play above him and we've all seen glimpses from his rookie year to now where he's deserved more minutes and For whatever reason, his leash is far shorter than anybody else's. And so the fact that he's still here, the fact that he fights on defence when a lot of the players in previous years haven't, it just gives you that real sense of loyalty towards a player like that. And hopefully, as you say, he breaks the curse. Hopefully he resigns. And hopefully we get to see him in some meaningful games where his true value comes out and he locks up the team's best player, or he, as you say, hits a, hits a corner three or just does something that might even not show up in the box score that just, just ends up in the Knicks getting a big win. So really chuffed Frank Hive is alive. I've got, it's not even a condo. It's not even an apartment on Frank Island. I own a manor on Frank Island. (laughs) I am the president of Frank Island. And I tell you what, it's, it's great. And it, it's testament as well to Tibbs that he recognises this. It would have been quite easy for him to have distanced himself from from Frank because we all know he likes a guard who drives into the paint. He's yeah. not Frank's typical... Frank isn't his typical type of player. He's found a role for him. Yes, on nights he gets sort of 10 minutes. On other nights he's playing into the 20s. But he's, he's, he's found himself a role and he seems to... Um, Playing with a bit more confidence in the front office, and the coaching staff have seen seem to uh, have got some confidence in him. So we've still got Frank, and long may that continue. Um, what was your moment of the week, Scott, this week?
1: My moment of the week. It's actually. I had a few, but I'm going to pick Derek Rose coming back for COVID because I can understand what he's went through and I'm just happy to see him back. I know he's not played any minutes again, but to see him back on the court shooting, getting back to being trying to be healthy, him, family being well, just because I know how this just affects people all over the world. So I'm just really happy to see him back, especially after all this game scaremongering stories on Twitter and social media saying, as Derek was done, he done the last time. There's not want to be here. All the different stuff. You're reading. The guy was a male with a disease. I mean, he had COVID, and people don't really respect that to a point. So I'm just happy he's back. He's not fully recovered, but hopefully he does, and he's back in the court helping the team. Go. Oh.
2: My moment of the week was Emmanuel quickly sending Neto into the Hudson River without step back three. <laughs> <laughs> it that was, was amazing. unbelievable it just the confidence on that guy it was just there's a shot and, and i'll have to try and find it and post it on twitter um there's a shot from above and there's just nobody around him he's got so much space he's literally sent the whole defense all the way back it was just pure filth and when that went in uh, it, it was another one of those moments. You we'll look back, you're one of those moments you remember from this season, and you'll be like a little highlight that it was just from one of those games, and it, like, it was unbelievable. And that's just IQ down to a T. Yeah. And, and he's been a revelation, like we keep saying on here, and it's just a brilliant moment. You stole my thunder, but it was
0: Theo's reaction on the bench. He yeah. just runs. <laughs> he he runs. <laughs> he stopped. He just went and it was just, I mean, once he, once he, uh, you know, he, he took the step back and Neto was on the floor, he just knew that three was going. And that's, again, that's the kind of player he is. He's a killer, isn't he? On the court. And when he's got you beaten, he just sort of twists the knife, so to speak. Yeah. It's just, hes just a real pleasure to watch. And, you know, Every time I watch him, I see Luke Williams with a little bit more in his bag, and it's just really enjoyable. And as I say, it's those type of plays that just make you love him even more. But this week, we've got a few gripes, probably. Scott, what was your first gripe this week?
1: I was going to be about refs, but I'm not going to make referees. I'll give that to somebody else. My gripe is, it's not really a gripe as in such, but I'm just saying I'm actually quite disappointed with the team three thrown recently. I think the three throws have been poor. I think if we can improve them slightly, we could be in chance of winning more games. Or even, I think the Clippers game. Or what was it? A Clippers game? I'm getting confused. Too many 12-hour shifts and podcasts. I was. am just looking back. It uh, was a 76ers game. I thought. Uh, I've had a free throw there. We would have won that game. I know it was a technical era. A technical call made in Julius, and I know the referees only great and. I don't like to blame refs constantly because, like Callum said, it's a cop-out. But I just think if it had some of the free throws, we'd have been ahead anyway. So that call wouldn't matter. That so that's my gripe, the free throws.
2: I think my gripe of the week is our coaching staff in front office being pinched by other teams. Joe, I've just, while we're recording, I think the news came out that Johnny Bryant's being considered for a Job somewhere and he might go, and it was Kenny Payne, might they take the DePool job. I even saw Brock Allen might be going back to the Cavs as a GM, or it's just annoying. Like we finally assembled this really <laughs> great coaching staff and some really good front office, and now they're all being pinched from us. Just a bit annoying, really.
0: Two for two, mine as well. And I've just seen that report, and it's the Knicks acquired this well, they acquired the Avengers, and um, they are. All parting ways. It's just, I mean, Woodson deserves, you know, a head coaching job, probably in the NBA. He did a brilliant job for the Knicks. Okay. Um, Johnny Bryant has that relationship with um, a variety of players in the league. And he's obviously well thought of, and it looks as though he's the favorite for a job. Kenny Payne, my goodness me, who's created a monster in Randall. He looks like he's going and coaching, some college hoops. And then as you say, Brock Holler, I mean, he's masterminded some of these fringe moves in the off season and it seems as though he's in a position where he's got sort of free reign to, to you know, to acquire these assets and do his thing. And, you know, it, it's a good thing it, if you do well, you know, the Spurs are a massive example of this. Your coaching staff Tend to go out and tend to get head coaching jobs, but it's very frustrating in the first year where we've yeah. seen massive improvements, we've seen development from, you know, a few of the young players, and to have that ripped away from us, and none of them have you know confirmed departures as of yet, but it would be really disappointing if uh, if if they if if any of them went, um, but hopefully it's the Tibbs effect. Hopefully Tibbs is the Tibbs is the you know the centerpiece. Tibbs is the reason why these coaches are um, who they become. And hopefully, if we do lose anyone, we can attract some some other coaches, some fresh blood with uh, with good relationships in the league. Um, now, this this section of the pod, we're going to see how positive or how negative each of us are. What what do we think? We've had the trade deadline. Yes, the, the Knicks have some space. It looks like Poirier's just been. Waved. Waved. So, the, yep. so the Knicks have um, an open spot. The buyout market is alive and kicking and drumming. Uh, not a great pun, but there we go. Um, where do we think we go? What do we
2: think the record is at the end of the year for the Knicks? It's tough. I think I did work it out. and My math might be wrong. I think I, because I did a little count, I went through the schedule and I did like I'll win this, and this one, lose that one I think I came out at about 35 and 37 so 35 wins, 37 yeah. losses so 500 basically, but kind of where we're at now, I genuinely think that's where we'll end up if we get lots of injuries it might derail us a little bit but I'd back the spirit in this team you can see the togetherness and I think I know it's something we touched on earlier with uh, not not bringing anyone in to disrupt that, but I think this this group will carry each other through these tough games. Like we've already seen examples of it against the Sixers, yeah. against the Nets, uh, early on in the season against the Jazz and the Bucks as well. So I'm going for 35 and 37. Um, I think that that will leave us in a play in spot pretty much. I think if you're around 500, you're in the playoffs play in. Yeah. So. I think that's a pretty positive, positive outlook to, to, to take, even despite the the tricky run. I'm just looking at it now. We've got a tricky run games next week, but I think we could do it. I, I think I genuinely, I've got a bit of hope, which is a dangerous thing as a Knicks fan, but I think we might be able to do it.
1: Well, after the start we've had, I was saying to myself, I hope we get 30 one. so I'm still sticking to that, so gonna say it's gonna be below five hundred or above five hundred, but I'm hoping we get thirty plus ones and it's enough to take us to the playoffs. I think like Callum said the spirit's really good. We said ourselves that the, the coaches have installed a great spirit within all the players, the locker room a lot, but very hard to beat. But you can see the players are playing with a smile which it's so infectious to the fans as well because we love it. You see, even the fans at MSG when there's not many there, but when the players are dancing on the bench, are smiling like Julius does, the fans love it. So if we can get thirty-plus wins, and make the playoffs, I'll be extremely happy.
0: I'm going to be slightly pessimistic and say thirty-three wins. Um, not that I think the Knicks play is going to fall off. I just think the schedule gets much tougher. Um, the Knicks have an absolute daunting trip on the road. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it, it is what it is. We'd have all signed up for 30 plus wins at the beginning of the year. And I don't think we'd have had any issue if they'd have finished with 28 and above. So um, yeah, 33 wins. That is a major, major, major success. And, yeah. you know, if, if that's the outcome and, if that's what Tibbs does has done in one year where there's a lack of practice and it's everything's thrown all over the place with, you know, a young RJ Barrett a rookie and quickly, you know, what are they going to do when they're able to add a superstar? So thirty three wins would be my pick. And as I say, I would
2: be absolutely overjoyed. I think we forget as well that they didn't really even have an off season. No. Yeah. We, we, we sort of, we're so used to the, the COVID times we live in, that OB, IQ didn't really get a rookie camp, didn't have a summer league. They were just thrown straight in. The new guys sort of just had to come in straight away with a full off season, which fingers crossed, you know, things are hopefully going to be a little bit more normal next season in terms of the structure of the league and the games and the off seasons and everything with a full off season with some new players and some more draft picks potentially, it does look bright and it's hard not to be excited about it. And it's hard not to really get behind this team. And Tibbs is a really easy coach to get behind for me because he's, he, he leaves it all out on the court. He, you know, he's as infuriated with the refs as we, we are. He's as, you know, delighted with the wins as we are and, and the bench as well. Like even though some of those guys like Theo and, and Kevin and, and everyone aren't getting minutes, there's still guys that want to be here and want to be around the team. So I just think that spirit, and this is me being an optimist, which anyone who knows me, I am not an optimist ever. (laughs) So this could be dangerous and it's on record. So who knows? It could come back to bite me, but quite frankly, I I don't care. I just think that the spirit will carry this team through and, and and we'll, we'll do something that we will remember for, for quite a long time, I'm not saying we're going to have a massive playoff run, but I just think this season—and I've said it before on here—this will be the season we look back on and as as the beginning of
1: of something pretty pretty good. As a song says, it's only just begun. Mm. This oh, is just was the a strong finish.
0: Strong finish from Scott there. <laughs> um, right, well, as always, it's great on a Thursday night to get together
2: and, and talk hoops with you boys. Where can everyone find you on the socials? So Twitter's at Hutchings 26 If you want to follow for some Lonzo Stan tweets along with some Nick's tweets, then you'll find me over there.
1: Twitter, I'm NBAUK7. So give us a follow.
0: Yeah, and I'm at Knicks underscore UK. And we have the same account over on Instagram. Um, Yeah, go ahead, give us a follow, rate and review the pod. Let us know what you think, and we'll do a mailbag at some point in the near future. Cheers for listening. Let's go, Nick's.